Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. To get to the Big Cypress Reservation in South Florida and the Atatiki Seminole Indian Museum inside it, you drive for an hour into the Florida Everglades. By the time you arrive, you're isolated from almost everything else. Here in Big Cypress, it's just us. There's a convenience store that's open till 11 o'clock at night. There's no Walmart, no Publix, no Walgreens. Anytime we need, you know, just some toilet paper, we have to drive an hour <laughs> and we have to make sure we get everything, you know. This is Quentin Cypress, Community Engagement Coordinator at the Seminole Tribe of Florida's Tribal Historic Preservation Office. My name is Quentin Cypress, and I'm the Community Engagement Coordinator, and I'm actually a tribe member. I'm from uh, this reservation that we work on. My job is to make sure the community works with us. The Seminole Tribe of Florida's Tribal Historic Preservation Office, or TIPO, where Quentin works, is separate from the Atatiki Seminole Indian Museum. We've talked about the museum before. On episode 16 of Museum Archipelago, I interviewed Carrie Dilley, Visitor Services and Development Manager at the museum, about the high percentage of museum visitors from outside the U.S. Through these visitation trends, the museum serves as the public face of the tribe to the outside world. But the museum, more importantly, serves the tribal community. Quinton and the Tipo work to preserve his culture and ensure it is not exploited. And this means a strong connection between the museum and tribal members. There are a lot of things that we can give out to the public, but there are certain things that we can't. You know, it's a museum about the Seminole tribal members. When it got first put together, it was actually our chairman at the time, James Billy, who wanted to build the museum to talk to the tourists and different um, folks that came around to tell them more about the Seminole history. So it, it started off um, very community involved, and we had several community members that were running the museum. And then just over time, different things happened, and they started working somewhere else in the museum. They, it became more non-tribal populated, and that connection between the museum and the uh, tribe members just kind of fell apart in a way. They just didn't have no more tribe members working here to fully um, connect us with the museum. Sometimes uh, tribe members don't feel comfortable coming and talking to a non-tribal and telling them their history, their family's history, and um, different legends and things we have from our culture. And so, um, you know, in more recent times, I've seen a lot more involvement with the community again. For a long time, they didn't really associate with each other or work together very much. And in recent years, that's really changed. This is Lacey Kofer, who also works for the Tribal Historic Preservation Office. My name's Lacey Kofer, and I am the geospatial analyst for the TIPO. Both the museum and TIPO have the goal of cultural preservation. So we perform very different roles and do it in very different ways, but we still have that common goal to preserve the culture and to work for and with the community. Today, both the TIPO and the museum share a campus. Their buildings are connected via boardwalk. Both offices have been working on finding new projects that serve their common goal. One of these projects is called Are We There Yet? Engaging the Tribal Youth with Story Maps, which is a collaboration of the TIPO, the museum, and the Afochki School, which is the school on the Big Cypress Reservation. Both Quinton and Lacey created the project with Juan Cancel. Hello, 
My name is Juan Cancel. I'm the Chief Data Analyst at the Seminole Tribe of Florida Tribal Historic Preservation Office. I manage the archaeometry section I'm with my team, Quentin and Lacey. Pretty much we manage all the mapping, um, GIS um, work that goes on in the office. The project involved teaching the Afachki School's 11th grade students GIS mapping software, having those students develop and create their own maps about Seminole or Native American issues, and finally presenting those maps in a gallery at the Atatiki Museum. It started as a way to encourage young tribal members to get involved in their community. For Juan, that meant starting by thinking about how Quinton, a young tribal member, and Lacey, who is becoming skilled in GIS, could get even more involved with the museum. Together, we've been working on developing GIS, developing mapping to kind of track our information a little bit better, tracking our information more locationally data and put it all together. But that's good well enough for our office. But how does that serve the tribal community? How do we reach out and then get more folks understanding what you do, Lacey, in GIS, but connected with the youth like you did, Quentin, when you first started here. Well, we saw uh, maybe like nine years ago, we went to a mapping conference, and one of the most impactful presentations we ever saw was this gentleman went out into the Amazon and was mapping with the community out there with the, the indigenous tribes out there, but he was doing it with them. Like he was having them point to a map or explaining what this is. And they together came up with that. And that's where this idea of participatory mapping came about. And, you know, it's not a hard idea. It was something they did. And we're like, you know what? That's genius. But we just took it as well. We're like, you know what? We're going to apply this here. To create the program, the team had to prepare lesson plans for the 11th graders. Lacey thought that the students would have a harder time learning how to use the GIS mapping software than writing a research paper. And it was the complete opposite. Teaching them ArcGIS, they caught on to it so quickly. Choosing symbology and uploading images and, you know, just navigating the whole interface was so easy for them. But then I'm like, all right, we're going to cite our sources using APA. And they're like, what are you talking about? It really kind of threw us for a loop. But then the more I think about it, I'm like, duh, they use this stuff all the time. They're on their computers and their smartphones and their iPads literally all the time. So I don't know why this surprised me, but it really reinforced the idea that getting to them using technology is a super effective way to do it with teenagers. It just bridged the gap and really helped us teach them the importance of place and topics and using the science to preserve their culture. And since it was technological and something that they use all the time, it just clicked. It was helpful and it was good. The students could choose topics that interested them as long as it touched on a Seminole or Native American issue. The team helped the students figure out a geographic component of their topics and how to present it all in a story map. It could be any subject. So we gave them, Lacey prepared like a list with Quentin and I on how to like what we want to hit on and like some examples of like history, historical figure sports, fashion, politics. Yeah, like we had one who is really into hip hop music. And so he created a story map that talks about different Native American musicians. And it was really cool. And he was really passionate about that topic. And I learned about a lot of musicians that are Native American I didn't know about 
and um, one of our students discussed the cattle industry and how it played such a pivotal role in the current economic state of the Seminole tribe. And then we had another girl who at the time was participating in the Seminole Princess pageant. And so she did her story map on Seminole princesses of the past and talked about the pageant and how it got it got started and how it was important to the community. All year long, whenever we were talking to these kids and doing this project, you know, we would always tell them, hey, this map that you're creating is a chance to tell your history, our history, our culture, and you're going to be telling it to people all over the world, they couldn't really quite um, grasp that concept because, you know, we're here at the museum an hour into the Everglades by ourselves. Finally, after a semester of work, the students got to see their projects in the gallery at the Atatiki Museum. As Quinton explains, this shift in medium changed the way the students saw their projects. It wasn't until that reception day that they walked in and seen all this work we here at the museum put together to present their story maps to the public. You know, it wasn't until that day that they walked in there and seen the iPads up on the wall and their stories on those iPads. They were fully engaged into those iPads. They were smiling, talking, laughing. A couple of them were like, man, I feel bad that I didn't add on more stuff that I could have added on now. Because now they get to see, hey, we were being serious. This is going to be in the museum. This is going to be on display for the world to see. One of the kids, I like telling the story, he was, he was really quiet the whole year, barely talked to us. I think he talked to us maybe like three words. And he would never smile. And that opening day, that day we did the reception, he, he could not stop smiling. <laughs> he was smiling the whole time. He was laughing. He was talking about the exhibit. To see him acting like that was a, was a really big deal for us. And then for the rest of the high school to see their work on display, you know, we hope that's more encouraging for them. So now they get to see the result, the end result of the whole project and all the work that goes into it. So if we get to do this project again in the future, we're hoping they're more motivated and they now know that, yeah, they're their work is going to be on display. It is going to be open for the world to see. For all the improvements in mapping technology over the past 20 years, it's the democratization of the tools of map making that is the most relevant to museums. There is not one canonical map in the way there is one canonical planet. With the mapping and how the tribal there's a tribal understanding of the land, I guess. The community understands this area. They've been here forever. They've always been in Florida. And a lot of the things that how we see mapping, we don't see mapping the same way. So if I call a road, you know, I'm like, oh, did you go down like the C-130 canal or something like that? Clinton, you know, he's like, oh, you mean the fishing spot like down the road near um, my uncle's house? You know, so it's a very different perspective. The project has been a success. The gallery with the students' maps will remain open in the museum until January 8th, 2019. And the team plans to continue the project with other students in the Big Cypress Reservation in coming years. And I think story mapping was the ideal vehicle, so to say, that kind of transitioned both current technology, online technology, accessibility to the tribal youth, and an avenue to get them kind of started to understand what we do a lot better. This has been Museum Archipelago. 
You'll find a full transcript of this episode, along with show notes, at museumarchipelago.com. Club Archipelago members get access to a bonus podcast feed that's sort of like the director's commentary to the main show. This week, a special freebie, a time-lapse video of me editing this episode and talking about my entirely iOS-based podcast process. You can watch it for free at patreon.com slash museumarchipelago. Special thanks to Ashira Morris and Rebecca Rubenstein for helping me during this editing process. If this is your first show, don't forget to subscribe for free in your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.